This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, better everything. Real difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everyone, to Agency Intelligence, where we give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that the industry tries to make you believe. Hello, hello. I'm Jason Cass, and today we have Mr. David Davis on of Fudge Insurance. And before I get to him, I want to remind you, AIBrainShare.com, AIBrainShare.com, you got to go there and get on the list. Um, it is filling up quick. I have to admit, it is three ten. Registrations open, and we've sold I think around forty um, seats uh, just in the first day or two. But I didn't get as many as I thought. And I got to tell you, I reached out to four or five people, and the the coronavirus is actually something that people are thinking about that's going to be still affecting us in October. It's not. But that means that you have a shot to go to AIBrainShare.com, get an invite code real fast, and maybe you could slide your way in there while everybody else is freaking out over something that's probably most likely not going to affect them. So AIBrainShare.com. In the meantime, David Davis, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. It's a nice, somewhat sunny day here, and uh, I'm on my second cup of coffee, so it's going Ooh. good. Oh yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm halfway down of my large one here from uh, Starbucks. So I imagine this is going to be interesting. You know, um, also just to let the loyal listeners know, um, I like to do this, uh, David. Is that we don't know each other. This is true. First time we've talked on. I mean, we literally talked for five minutes before what we call the green room. I always like to sound official, David. It's it's yeah, really yeah. cool, you know, the green room back there. We had snacks and stuff, and we were just talking, and that, and that was just a little bit, loyal listeners. So this is one of those genuine conversations. Okay, so uh, here we go. First question though: iPhone or Droid user, David? <laughs> Die hard Google infrastructure all the way. Will not. Will not. Will not mess with an Apple product in my household. Oh, a Sorry man after my, my own heart. Oh, they know. Sorry. They know. They. Oh no, oh, good. I'm, I'm out here in lonely Droid Island. I'm telling you, dude, <laughs> that is fantastic. That somebody doesn't eat the apple. Didn't they learn from the Bible? It's bad. <laughs> right. Don't eat it. You know. I, but, <laughs> I don't know. I worked man. with Apple for many years. I worked with Apple for many, many years, and I can say that they have good tech, good, mm-hmm. good design, good aesthetic. I don't, I don't dog on the solution, but man, I, I have fallen hook, line and sinker for the, the Google infrastructure. hundred percent. I, I have to, I have to. And then what's the last uh, app that you've downloaded? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I downloaded, gosh, I had to, I had to reset up a couple things on my phone. And so probably the last app that I downloaded is an app called, um, 
Grateful Dead Archives, which uh, is wow. a, a music streaming app that lets you access the archive.org uh, massive collection of live Grateful Dead shows that have been recorded over the decades. And so that's probably Dude, what I last downloaded. Yeah. You just hit like a different cool <laughs> level. Okay. <laughs> this, this podcast now could possibly go in a million different directions. There you go. Right. No one, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned the Grateful Dead on the podcast. I, I think this is an absolute first. And then we right. also have a guy who used to work for Apple, who is now a droid dude. Well, always has been maybe, but is a droid dude. Uh, loves the Google infrastructure, as he says. Loyal listeners. <laughs> is this not going to be crazy? Anyways, next question. Skill or luck, what has led you to where you are? If you could only choose out of those two, what has been the major factor, skill or luck? Oh, man. How does the humble man answer this question? Skill. Jason, skill. I, I know I can only pick one. It's a binary question, but uh, skill mixed with a lot of good timing. And maybe it's maybe it's a manufactured or engineered timing, but manufactured and engineered timing. I like that. Do you love to win or yeah. do you hate to lose? Last question. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose, David? Love to win. Love to win. Love to win. Yep. I hear you. Good questions, by the way. I you, like that. You can put up with a little loss, but you just love. I do win. not mind losing at all. In fact, losing usually using losing usually means I learned something. So uh, don't mind losing at all. Correct. You know, I was actually reading. Where was I reading this? I think I was reading it in Steve Anderson's book, and I'm going to butcher the story. But it went along the thing of um, called successful failing. That's a that's a very well known um, phrase in Amazon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for instance, two day shipping came from a successful fail. Some of the employees are able to do their own work and their own thing. And so them in a certain branch or something or in a district decided that they were going to try this and they actually failed doing it. And they uh -huh. really tried, but Bezos and some people stepped in from other teams and were like, no, no, change this. And we could do that. We could do this. And boom, now it came that successful fail turned into that great success. And now we all love it. Now they're trying to get to one day before, right. before you know it, they're going to, Try and have it to me like within the hour. And it's unbelievable. <laughs> We're going to need drones then. We will. David, take us back to college. Tell us about it. Tell us, you know, maybe you had a special childhood. Wrap it for us in three to five minutes. Bring us forward to how you got to uh, Fudge Insurance. Uh, I was born in California when I when I was around 12 years old. My father worked for the space shuttle program, worked for uh, Lockheed Martin. And he was responsible for doing, I don't know, setting atmospheric conditions in the payload bay, which sounds a lot fancier than it is, basically making sure that whatever payload was going up and the shuttle had the right mixture of oxygen and, and, and humidity and temperature and whatever else you might want to wow. just hidden buttons, hidden buttons on a computer, I think is, is less, less glamorous than maybe it sounds. Anyway, when they decided that they were not uh, going to launch space shuttles from California any longer, we had a choice to move to Houston or Canaveral uh, to follow the space shuttle program. We chose Canaveral. We ended up here in Florida. I did most of my coming of age growing up in the central Florida area, stomping around swamps and uh, doing all that fun stuff and ended up in school at the University of Florida in Gainesville, where I got a computer engineering degree in probably the one, I'm probably one of the guys who took the longest to get a computer engineering degree. <laughs> I took my, I took my sweet time. Uh, it was very, it was a, it was a challenging time for me in college. I felt like in some of those classes, I was right at the edge of my capabilities. And so it wasn't by any means an easy thing for me, but managed to graduate right around the time that the bubble was beginning to burst and jobs were beginning to dry up a little bit. And so I did not have as my friends in classes who graduated before me, a preponderance of job offers. I had just a few job offers and one that looked most exciting to me was was with Intel doing microprocessor stuff out in California. And so 
Uh, in the year I graduated, the summer I graduated from college, I also decided to get married, go on a honeymoon, and move across the country to California. And so we did all that in the span of a couple months uh, with my now wife and started what would then become a 20-year career with Intel where I played almost exclusively in the data center um, enterprise space. And so ended up running our global support organization for cloud data center infrastructure and customers where, you know, my big accounts were the Googles, the Microsofts, the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Apples, <laughs> um, and also the manufacturers like your Dells and your, your Lenovo's and, and uh, HP's. Lovely job, man. It was, a, it was an awesome job. I, I really enjoyed it. I got to travel all around the world. I got to meet and work with great people. I got to access cool technology and learned a butt ton. Oh, you're fine. Um, no, I like this. You're good. Yeah. And then... I'm trying to do my three to five minutes, catch you up to here. So it <laughs> in 2018, so the job was great. The job was fantastic. It was also very demanding. I was essentially on call uh, whenever something went wrong with data center infrastructure around the world. And you can imagine most of our mission critical applications that we come to know and love, anything from Gmail to Amazon.com, two-day delivery to NASDAQ runs on some form of data center. And whenever anything went wrong to the point that it wow. that, that it might be with the underlying technology, we would get called in. And so there was a lot of late night, early morning meetings there was a lot of long hours. There was a lot of travel. And it got to the point where I wanted to get some focus on my family, Jason. And so my wife and I made this drastic decision that midway through 2018, I was going to leave, uh, take some time off of work. I was granted a year uh, to go pile my family in an RV, travel around the country and explore and uh, mm -hmm. sort of just be not working for a little while. And so we did that. We went on a year sort of lost weekend and homeschooled the kids. And throughout that process, tried to figure out what my next career move was going to be and came up with a list of criteria that I wanted for that new career and ended up accepting an offer from my brother-in-law who owns a independent wow. agency here in Central Florida. So we moved back from California to Florida once, once more. And that's how I got here. How long here. you been there? Eight months now. Yeah. So I think we got here in, I was supposed to say, uh, yeah, right around eight months. So basically a lot of 2018, you were traveling Almost, with your family. Yeah. So from about August 2018 to July, August 2019, we were in some campground or a Walmart parking lot or, you know, you, <laughs> it was. Dude, how awesome was that? I mean, there's so many people would love to just get in a motorhome with their family and just go for a day or two. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm yeah. talking for a whole yeah. year, you know, and I think, uh, dude, that's yeah, fantastic. Was, How was that? It was. How old are the kids? Our daughter is, was 12 turning 13 on the trip at the time of the trip. And our son was or was nine years old, eight turning nine on the trip. And so um, Good for our daughter, it was. Yeah, yeah. For our daughter, it was kind of like that, you know, right on that edge of where maybe she she. <laughs> she would absolutely loathe us for the rest of her life and need a lot of therapy for taking her away from her friends and her social <laughs> stuff. I think it was kind of like right there on the edge. So we did it, I think, at the last possible moment that we would have felt sort of comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. the, the trip itself, though, was, I mean, for me, a whole different perspective on, on life. I mean, I had time to write, which is a passion of mine. I had time to be with my family to make inside jokes with my wife again, to see things that are, you know, in this country that are absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and inspiring. And it was completely restorative. And I hate it. I hate it because it sounds like I'm painting it with this really, this, this brush that says nothing went wrong. But if right. I'm being honest, like very little went wrong. There were times when like, yeah, we needed to get out of the RV because man, you're stuck in a three, 300 or 200 square foot with your family and you want to go for a solo hike for a day. Right. But I think we managed that cabin fever and closeness very well. And to be fair, of all the things that could have gone wrong, 
very, very few did. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a wonderful time. And it, it went, I, honestly, you know, there were, there were times when it alternately it felt like luxuriously long. And also when you're like, holy crap, I can't believe we're seven months in already, you know? And so we had, I had moments of both of those. So inside your brain, inside the David Davis brain, and you were trying to think, you, you, you didn't know where you were going to go. You, it was a possibility you could go back. I don't know. Yep. Um, and because like they said, they gave you a year off and, yep. and then somehow you talked with your, your brother and I imagine you talked with other people. I mean, and then for you to choose insurance after what you've been doing, no, no, no. And you realize now how genius that was because of right. the technical revolution that is happening. You came right in, buddy. I mean, well, this is the yeah. this is the Wild West, and you came and said, "Hey, I'm going to claim some digital land. Let me get on my digital horse and roll." Right? And and I think that that is is huge. So I think that that happened for a lot of reasons. Was that a factor in it, or did you realize well, that, or what made you just take this choice? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think. I was thinking about this this morning because I had anticipated maybe a question like this would come, right? And I really think that a lot of what I now know to be the best parts of being in the insurance space were not, I did not know them when I decided to take this this job. And so I will tell you that the, the taking of this job was motivated mostly by non-career factors. In other words, I was looking for a job that would meet certain criteria. And and you're right, there was an option for me to go back. I could also go into a, an additional, you know, an, another tech-related field out in the Valley and do something there. There were several places where I could have decided to go, I think. But I was really looking for, like I said, I, I had three criteria that I was looking to get out of my next career. And I told myself that I wasn't going to pick the job or the widgets that I was going to make. I was instead going to pick the criteria that I wanted to work under. And then whatever the widget factory was that met those criteria, that's where I would go. Ah. And so what I decided is that I didn't want to be on call anymore. I, I didn't want a standing expectation to be on email, text, uh, cell phone, outside working hours. I wanted a less hectic calendar where I had more time for actually doing work and innovating and inventing or, or giving back, going and serving in some way. And then I overall wanted a healthier life, you know, work balance where someplace that had a lot of respect for the prioritization, the sanctity of, of family time, which had become very important important to me, which was always, but also had become increasingly more so on the trip. And so my brother-in-law runs an insurance agency. He was long asking me, dude, come here, come here and, and work at the agency, be the technical guy. And I, you know, thought, no, I mean, what is there technology wise in insurance? I don't want to be, I don't want to be an IT guy, right? Like I don't want to manage a fleet of laptops or, or fix a printer. Right. And so <laughs> the funny thing is while, while I was on this trip, and I was, you know, floating around the, the the United States. He said, "Hey, man, there's a conference in New Orleans in March or May. I forget what it was, and it's about technology in the insurance space." And he said, "Dave, I know you're not doing anything because you live in a dang RV. Why don't you fly there? I'll pay for it. You fly there. I'll pay for your room. I'll pay for your ticket." You know, at a minimum, you and me get to hang out in New Orleans and have a good time. And then sort of the underlying motivation is maybe you get to see, maybe there's some opportunity in insurance. So I did. I said, yes, what the heck? I got on a plane. I left my family in, I think, in Indianapolis uh, at the time (laughs) (laughs) in a campground. And and I met my brother-in-law in in New Orleans and we went to the Elevate conference. And I, my, my, was sort of like a, a mind-blowing moment, man. It was like, oh crap! Here's here's people on stage giving keynotes to an audience full of agents and even carriers and and stuff, which I didn't know any of this terminology. I didn't know what the channel looked like at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about stuff that I know. They're talking about stuff that I did. They're talking about things that they're afraid of and things that they don't know how to handle. 
and holy crap, like I've handled some of these things. I've helped people through some of these fears. That's and so awesome. it really got my gears turning, right? And then to be perfectly honest with you, my brother, I knew my brother-in-law's agency, the way that they operate this agency met those criteria that I rattled off to you earlier. So that was the biggest. And then the, the sneaky little second piece there, I would be lying uh, if I didn't mention it, is that my wife's family is all steer, still here in the central Florida area. Like that's where we, we met when we were, we were kids. I've dated my wife since I was 16, right? So this is where we met right. when we were kids. <laughs> and her 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 parents are still here. My parents had recently both passed away in, in California. And so it was kind of like the end wow. of my family's area era mm-hmm. in California and the beginning perhaps of a new family era in, in Florida where my kids could have Everything grandparents and cousins. And you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it all just... My, my brother-in-law gets mad at me when I say it, but you know, the universe really kind of was pushing us towards, there was definitely some, some, um, there was a hand involved there, man, Correct. Uh, you know, putting us in the right place. I, I firm, firmly believe that. So everything fell in line there. And you know, and you were patient, you took that year, you learned a lot with your family. You know, one of the things, because I'm an insurance geek, um, one of the things that I like to take away and I'm listening as you're talking and you're, and you're chipping off at these things that have to be a requirement for the scenario or the position or the area that you land. And what's amazing is, is as you made that, you attracted things to you that helped actually put all that in place, in my opinion. And But what I want to lead to is to all of us loyal listeners, when you're thinking about that and thinking about how that works in your agency, thinking about how you're deciding the type of agency you want to be. Where do you want, what if you could draw the perfect agency, what does it look like? What are those criteria, like David's criteria that he had? You'll start attracting those type of things to you and you'll shed the things that maybe you thought were important. And so that's one of the things when I'm listening to him talk these off, I'm like, this is this is a business thing that he was doing, but this was a personal thing he was doing. This was life, you know, and I think yeah. that there's a lot to be learned from that. Don't you agree, David? Would you say uh, that? Yeah, well, 100%. And that's what I was alluding to earlier. You know, I really made this decision, honestly, Jason, not because... Not because I thought there was a bunch of money or opportunity in technology and insurance. Turns out there is, but I didn't know that there at is. the time, right? Uh, I, I was coming here. I was. This was a purposeful move on our part to slow down our lifestyle so that we could spend more time together as a family. Not saying that insurance is an easy job, okay, mm-hmm. but to purposely engineer an environment that would make me a better person would make our family have more time together, would allow us to do things that maybe we didn't get to do. I'll give you just one quick thing that pops into my head, right? I sit down with my daughter and I help her with her algebra. She struggles in algebra, man. And you know, I was a math major before I decided there's no money in math and I changed <laughs> computers. Uh, and I love doing I love doing algebra. And so like, but this would not have been an option. Okay. We went, we we took off the other, I got home from work at 5 30 the other day. We hopped in the car, we went to Panera and we sat there and we got soup and sandwiches and we studied for two hours algebra together. And that was that moment was so special to me, those kind of things. But you know what? I probably would have been in Taiwan or Germany or, you know, China this time of year if it was the old job, right? And I wouldn't have had those opportunities to do that. And so we very consciously said, even if it's less money, even if it's less position, let's go do this for for our family. It was a very personal decision. You're absolutely right about that. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. And to make light of a bad situation, you 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 could have coronavirus if you're in China right now. So <laughs> That's I right. mean, That's your right. your brother might have saved your life. You, you just don't even, or your brother-in-law, excuse me, your brother-in-law may have saved your life. What a great story, David. You know, and the reason I ask these stories is because it really tells us who you are, and tells us, and it lets us understand that, like. You're like immediately part of our family, right? As far as an independent family. And I know your brother-in-law obviously is taking you out for a while. Now here's start talk. You talked about there is money in uh, technology and insurance. And we're, we're not going to sit here and talk money, but we're going to talk about opportunity. You and I have a very common opportunity that we are uh, working on as Fudge Insurance is a neon pilot agency. Um, we are a neon pilot agency. And, and I... Um, this is the opportunity that, yes, has money, but the main focus here is transformation of an industry and that then money will follow um, when we put those pieces in place. We treat people fairly. We put the consumer, the carrier, and the agent on the same level playing field, give everybody the same opportunity, share information, create one universal customer experience with no silos. And David, you're behind that now. You <laughs> kind of got brought into that. And I and I don't exactly know what you're doing there, but I know that you're a very big part of some things that we were missing there to put this all together. Which, by the way, just real quick before, David, you talk, um, we are talking once again, it is uh, March 10th. The first uh, couple are the first three or four are rolling on this month. Jason and the Insurance Alliance are going on in April. I think our estimated go live date is like June. But anyways, David, how did you become a part of this? How did this come about? One of the things I, when we took this job, I thought to myself that I would be, I would be a hundred percent satisfied, Jason, with using technology to improve the operation of this independent agency. And I thought there would be plenty of opportunity to do that within the scope of the job. And it would be a satisfying piece of work. And sort of in the back of my mind and at my brother-in-law's behest to some degree was this idea that, you know, well, maybe, maybe there's a product idea or maybe there's a service idea that we could come up with Dave, given your experience and what we know about tech and the insurance space. So let's sort of like put on the back burner this idea that we could do more outside of the scope of just what we would do to improve operations and customer service at Fudge Insurance. We could do more in the industry, become a part of that industry conversation. And that's how it started. Uh, and we had a couple ideas and started reaching out, started talking to people, started making relationships, going to conferences, uh, and, and very quickly found myself having access to some really forward-thinking people in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if I'm being, this is our, everyone imagining we're having those those cold liquids we talked about earlier. And I'm, I'm about one and a half in in my virtual cold liquids. And so the tongue is getting looser, right? I was actually quite surprised, Jason, like how quickly I was able to become a part of some of the conversation with people who I think had spent time in this industry doing technology longer than I had and had definitely proven themselves a heck of a lot more than I had coming in new. But for whatever reason, again, we talk about the, a, a hand uh, having, you know, uh, in this whole effort. We were put in touch with a bunch of different people 
having what I think is sort of that that top level, where is the industry going next technology conversation. And if you can tell, I, I like to talk. And so quickly developed some relationships there. Through that sort of uh, relationship building, network building that I was doing of my new technology insurance dude persona, I met uh, the guys over at Be Atomic. And to be perfectly transparent with you, one of the things that I had looked at when I came into this agency was the management system we were using and sort of scratching my head going, man, there's got to be a better way than this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys using? <laughs> See, I, can, I don't even know if I want to say it on air. It's weird. Okay. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. It's totally no. fine. I, in fact, by the way, I this... That's going to sound bad if the if the it's Genesis, okay? And Genesis is actually a fine application. Uh, it, a lot of it's no Genesis. It, it is okay. It, it gets it gets it gets our job done. And then let me tell you, we have been this agency has been very successful as an agency using Genesis. So this is no ill will mm-hmm. meant towards Genesis. What I mean to say is that my theory on this stuff is that the agency management system development cycle uh, has happened in an insurance silo with insurance blinders on. And these pieces of software, as well-intentioned and as revolutionary as they were to the agency channel, have really developed outside of what's going on in the open marketplace where awesome technology is it has just grown by leaps and bounds over the years and you've now got these like fully cloud enabled crm lead generation data analytics biz intelligence tools that have just they're actually now becoming a sort of like you know part and parcel standard. If you're going to start a small business and you're going to get to a significant amount of revenue and or contacts customers, significant amount of revenue and or contacts customers, probably look, drive, fresh works, whatever it is to do your business. But the thing is like in the insurance space, you're still kind of locked into this, 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 four to six big players in the AMS world who dominate the the market share. And some of those products are, are not terrible. I'm not dogging on the products, but it's just, I do not think that they have developed the way that the the, the 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 similar products in the open market have developed. And there are lots of sort of best practices that have developed in that space that need to come. You rattled off a few of them earlier into the mm-hmm. insurance world and will really revolutionize, I think, some of the business of what an agency does as a retail outlet uh, working with customers. And so I'm giving you a long, long answer, but one of, the, no, one, one of the ideas I had was we should be able to build a better AMS. And so I don't even think that uh, the guys at Neon have ever heard me say this, but we started doing that. Uh, we started hacking at uh, an open source Salesforce clone to add policy and insurance specific stuff to it. And then I found out someone had the exact same idea, a couple people, and one of them was a lot further, they had the idea a lot earlier than us, good for them. They had they had been working on it longer than us, good for them. Uh, and they also had a few twists to it that, that were quite genius and we had not imagined. And so uh, we quickly became fast friends with a common mission like that. And it, it made very little sense to continue trying to do anything on our own because we could then contribute in a real way to the projects uh, that were already ongoing. And so that's kind of how I found my way into the, the neon side of the the world. Uh, and then it has been on, honestly sort of a, a series of highs in that partnership since we got together. So David, you speak with authority to the loyal listeners. Loyal listeners, this is an important part. I know you've been uh, thrilled in this. I have been. I'm serious. I know you talk a lot because I talk a lot and that's fine. <laughs> seriously, David, seriously, this is good stuff. I didn't do this intentionally, but this is where it's led us. 
you you have great authority. You have great insight on things. I've had other people on the podcast like you, including even Daniel Burris, who is a, a futurist, yep. very very huge guy. And we've talked a lot about this in Neon. And 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 if you talked with Seth, him and Daniel are talking behind the scenes because Daniel has some unbelievable insight in some of this. And when I hear people like you, and I hear people like Daniel and these and, and Seth, and I sit in these meetings and I listen. I kind of get the feeling and understanding that like, I, I don't, I just think that everybody just thinks it's a new AMS. They just think it's some new piece of technology. And I don't think they under truly understand that when Jason and others say transformation, that's what this is. It's transformation. And you're coming from a position of authority. I mean, it's not outside the box thinking. It's getting outside the box and then thinking is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I meant, I kind of, I kind of said it earlier, right? So I said, we set out to build a better AMS, and I and I met a person in B Atomic and Seth who honestly had the idea before us, but weren't just had it better, right? They weren't just setting out to build a better AMS. You're absolutely right. We're not talking about a better AMS, and I'm not trying to do a commercial here, but really, no, what, we're not. But really, we're not. what's happening? Really, what we're talking about, though, if if you want to just genericize it, we don't even have. But we are bring, what I believe is happening here, Jason, is that we are bringing best practice, cutting edge best practices that are going on in other industries that are moving fast or that have already made an, uh, an evolutionary step where they're applying data science. They're, 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 they know the value of their data. They're applying biz intelligence and analytics. All these things that I just said, you don't hear those words associated with AMS typically, right? So it is not no. an AMS. It is really a transformation of the way uh, that we are going to use data uh, in the insurance space, that we are going to be able to talk about ownership of data, insights generated from data. And also, it's not just that because that's maybe you, maybe that sounds too nerdy for you, right? But it's also, it brings us, it brings the whole space up to current in terms of like, how do I manage my customer relationships? How do I manage my leads? How do I convert my leads to sales? How do I make sure that my net promoter score is where it's going to be? How do I make sure that my agency is spending time on the things that are highest ROI? I know I'm rattling off a lot of things, but really the, the scope sure. of what we're trying to do, I think you would probably agree, is, is that big. I mean, it contains all those pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not only, it's it's also capturing that data, but then also, as you're saying, being able to populate it mm -hmm. in some type of dashboard or form for you to be able to make real life decisions on how things are going. You know, one of the things, David, I've always thought about is imagine the conversation that's going to happen with our carriers, right? On the fact that they kind of, I'm not picking on any carriers. My loyal listeners know that I'm just being open and making us all think, but they come to us with data right? Like here's what you're writing. Here's what type of stuff you're writing. They normally have this type of limits. Here's these credit scores, all this stuff. They have this data and they can say, Jason, this or Jason, that, or high five this, or why are you doing that? We need to get better here. And I kind of sit there like, well, um, uh, your prices are too high, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of like my comeback. And I think that's everybody's comeback or your claim service needs to be right. better. And, and now though, with something like a neon that allows us to have this business intelligence, to be able to gather it, organize it, and actually populate it to where it's something that we can utilize. Now, when they come in, it's, you know, and, and we've heard Seth talk about this before. There's actually a podcast that Sydney did. Mm -hmm. Please go check it out, all you loyal listeners, is about the fact that now we have the data to say, well, actually, the reason why you're not getting the data is because we've had 11,000 uh, service calls in the last 12 months. And when they, we send them to you, it takes us 35% longer to get them done. And that's costing us $8,000 a month in extra expenses. So you're costing us, and here's what that is. I believe the day that that happens, that's when the industry gets better, yep. right? That's the carrier saying, 
holy crap, we didn't know that. I really believe the good carriers will say, thank you for that data. We, we need that. That makes us better so we can make you better. Right. That's what Neon does. That's what Neon yeah, does. Yeah, and I love, I love the way you framed that, honestly, because what's become very apparent to me as, as I've gotten to know different uh, folks within the carrier space is that I think, you know, too often this, this kind of gets framed as a as a as an attack right i'm doing little things with my hands on the video you guys can't see but it, it gets it gets it gets it gets framed as a blame game where like you didn't give me yeah. what i need or no you didn't give me what i need and like you know you you end up at this stalemate right where really the way to approach this is actually like with with some sort of like empathy for each side carriers are not inherently the bad monsters and neither or True. neither are the agencies will you know willfully trying to not meet commitments or expectations and so really what needs to happen is True. like we are we if we have the the data is impartial right the data mm -hmm. is impartial the data can tell a story and i'm not sharing data with anyone in this future space so that we can point fingers so that we can throw people under the bus this is like you said so we can have a conversation where someone goes oh man I actually didn't realize that. How do we work together to make this better? And I think once you get to that, once that stuff is on the table, that conversation mm -hmm. becomes much, much easier because blame and emotion and all that, you know, pointing fingers pieces is really taken out of it, right? I was in Dallas uh, last uh, two weeks ago and I stayed in an Airbnb with Hanley and him and I would, Ryan Hanley, we'd wake up at like 4.30 in the morning because we're geeks like that. And then <laughs> instead of working out, we'd actually just sit there and drink coffee yep. and we would talk for two or three hours. One of the things that you just hit on too is somebody story is the data is people's story. And, you know, I think if we start to reframe and look at data in that way, rather as this big brother thing that's trying to spy on us, but as business owners to realize that what you just said is true mm -hmm. is the data tells the person's story. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Ryan Hanley was trying to tell me is, is that when you're trying to develop your brand and for your business, he said, Jason, you want to tell the story of who your client is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the story. So yes, your story is their story, but their story must be told to relate how your story comes into it. And it's important to realize, why do I need that data? Why do I need that stuff? Well, David, you just said it. If it is presenting a story to them, then you can then see how now I'm able to tell that story, which attracts that person. But without that data and those analytics and that business intelligence, I can't do that. Right. And this is what other industries are doing and have been doing for a while. Absolutely. Right? That's exactly right. I mean, and you know, you, it's funny you hit on it because story is king, right? Uh, you know, she who has, or he who has the best story normally wins the day. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, if the story is, is rooted in reality, meaning there's, there's data there that backs up the story that you're telling, it becomes very compelling. And if you can tell and craft a good story, which is part of it, right? I can't just throw you a spreadsheet and say, see, uh, but I've got to be able to craft a story and under, you know, communicate a narrative. And you can really change an industry. Mm -hmm. You can get people on board. And like I said, this is, this is what's, what's happening and happened in other spaces in the industry. And it's, it's about time, right? In the insurance space. I agree. I agree. I agree. It is about time. And uh, I, I really do. And so here we go. Do you, and, and I am excited for where we're going with Neon and how we're rolling it out. We're actually making it. I don't expect any big things. I don't expect that day one, I'm going to be able to, uh, to, 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 to master it. I'm, I'm just going along for the ride and they've told me now it's time to hook up. So I got the team ready. We're going to hook up and we're going to do the data transfer and all that kind of stuff like that. But the thing is, is that 
where are we in a year? I'm just going to be yeah. so curious, you know? Once again, I don't expect huge things. I don't. I think easily this is a one to three year plan to actually get on our feet and have a good balance, right? To where we're like, okay, we're still not perfect. We can still fall over, but now we got our balance. We got some data underneath us. We got some support agents coming in. And then that's when I really think we start to really hit that second phase um, where we start to see uh, at a ta- at adoption. And, you know, a lot of agents can't believe that I talk about this, but Seth's the one that talks about it. Seth welcomes competition, right? He welcomes competition because then we all can start getting better right. off of each other. And then the more agents we get into this type of model, the more we make the agency management systems that are current start to right. transform and change. So then, uh, so then all you that are with Applied or Vertifor right now won't have to actually leave your management system, but you'll have some form of this. And that's what we're doing. You know, we're busting through that wall and we are okay as neon pilot agents to get bloody because we know that coming through behind us is all you guys. One of the things that I that I like to say, David, and please confirm this to the loyal listeners, is that getting on a neon type d- data system today or next year or in two years doesn't give you any advantage over another agency. It's not like where it's Apple stock and you got to get in immediately or there's nothing left there. Am I right to say that? So there's a couple ways I can answer this question. I think generally, I think generally, yes, okay. you are correct. In other words, you know, if you don't get on tomorrow and you and you move to something like this in a year, are you going to lose out on a whole lot? I mean, you know, you you may lose out on some tangible things if you're not running your business today in the most effective way uh, to manage your you know manage your leads, convert. You you may lose out on some like a revenue up, uplift just from the process. But here's the way that I that's, that they think is better to answer that question. It is a mindset thing, okay, and if even though you're not moving on to a new tool today because maybe of where you are in your agency or because of you know fi- uh, you know uh, cost cycles or, or some other you know maybe maybe you want to wait and see, you don't want to beat on the bleeding edge buying the first iPhone kind of person right those are all very valid mm-hmm. reasons right and I don't think that you're going to be uh, unduly punished for having the right mindset, but not wanting to be like you said, we're ready to get bloody. Not everybody's ready to get bloody, right? And, and not everybody true, really should true. be willing. You know, uh, only the people who are willingly walking into that bloodying uh, are probably the right people to do so. And so <laughs> I, I think I think the answer to your question is, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you're not going to, uh, this FOMO, uh, if you're feeling a very strong sense of FOMO um, right word. now, uh, don't, mm-hmm. uh, because this is only going to be, as you said, the beginning uh, of an overall change. Uh, we will have, there will be a first product instantiation and uh, it, it will be awesome and it will move us forward. But like you said, there's much more moving forward to go and it's a rolling snowball kind of momentum thing. And so there's plenty of, just plenty of jumping on points that will bring plenty of success, in my opinion, in the future as well. So you said you like to write. That's something you said you really like to write. What do you write about? <laughs> uh, I, I Everything. So I mean, just being uh, just being honest, I have written. I, I have tried to keep a daily journal, and I've I've been fairly successful at doing that uh, since I was probably about 15 years old. And so I have reams oh, and reams wow. of stuff that is terrible, terrible. Uh, I, you know, um, and it's really about whatever I whatever I feel like writing. So it's about my family. It's about my thoughts. It's about, you know, it's not necessarily academic writing. Um, although I have done that, mm-hmm. you know, in previous roles, written actual articles, um, you know, published articles. But this is more of my personal thing where I'm writing uh, for myself or maybe for a small audience of friends. Uh, it's a, it's an outlet for me. So I'm alert. The, the way I learn, uh, Jason, the way I uh, advance, I think is 
obviously you can tell I talk. Okay. I talk through my thoughts to make Mm -hmm. them real. And then I write them down to make them even more real. Those are my Mm -hmm. two methods for cementing and building my thought process. And so uh, a lot of times when I'm wrestling with what is, what, what do I, what do I feel about this uh, issue? How should I move forward in this space? I will write about it until it becomes clearer to me. Correct. So when I wrote my book, I did both. So I like to talk, but I hate to actually type, Mm -hmm. but I like to write, but I like, if I'm going to write 500 or 800 word block, I can do that. But I hate, so what I did is I would go outside and I would just talk into my awesome droid phone (laughs) and, uh, and I, and I would just talk and let the voice command go. And then I would send the Google sheet or Google page, like five, six, seven pages long. I would yep. send it to the person and they just sat there and collected those over two or three, four months. And that's, that's how fantastic. we wrote our book. And it was, it was, I did the same thing. I'm a big talker. And I just thought that as well. Are you a reader? I am. I read a lot for, for pleasure. What yes. do you read? What are you reading right now? <laughs> right now? Uh, I'm, I'm rereading. It's a very quick read. So, okay. I'll, I'll tell you the last, the last three, I think. So, uh, I finally convinced myself after many, many years of putting it off to read Atlas Shrugged and uh, I finished that and moved on to Atomic Habits. And I think right before that I had read, I don't know if you've read, uh, Sapiens by, uh, Noel, I think of Yavari or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce no. the name, man. I tell you what, if you want to read an excellent series of books that are brain food, Sapiens, and then the next one he has is called Homo Deus. And it's about, uh, human history and human future, uh, and he's an Israeli, uh, you know, kind of like your Daniel Burris reference earlier. He's a he's a futurist, but also sort of a uh, entho ethno historian. So anyway, wow. I read those things, but then also don't 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 think that I'm like uh, some, no, some like super that. nerdy academic because I'm also on the side. I'm a, I'm a huge fantasy and sci-fi fan, so I'm I'm reading that stuff on the side as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. We know leaders are readers. We knew that you were a reader. <laughs> hey, um, David, I really, really appreciate it. There, um, your brother-in-law is a lucky guy. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of agency out there is like, man, I wish I had someone in the family <laughs> like that, because I think you get it. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's almost a, ro- a required position. I was, um, I was talking with, uh, there's a gentleman would probably know more about it, but he works for these large brokers um, and he'll go in and look at their data and give them a five-year plan and say, hey, for two years, it's going to take two years to clean this stuff up. And mm-hmm. then well, over the next last three years, we'll utilize it to raise you know, efficiencies and revenue and growth. And he, that's what he's done. And he's mm-hmm. now almost at the end of his fifth year. And he reached out to me with this business plan. And he said, Jason, I'm almost going to be like rent a CIO. Like for an agency that's like you that wants to have certain technology, I'll I'll sit in on your meetings. I'll even help develop infrastructure for you. Just charge you a solid cost, you know, per month. And 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 then he would have like ten or fifteen of these agencies. And at first, I thought to myself, well, that's a pretty wild idea. But I bet you that's common as can freaking be in five, five, 10, 15 years, because there's, there's guys like me that are never going to be, I don't really want to be that big that I would be able to, sure. to, 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 to have that. Maybe I will. And I just don't know that, but there's, there's that type of, of size. And so I don't know, it's just interesting. And, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's amazing how lucky your brother-in-law is to have someone like you, man. I appreciate that. I think, you know, you hit it on the head. I don't think, I don't think a CIO or a CTO or any of those fancy three world you know, three-letter hoity-toity titles is something that any independent agent, every independent agency needs for certain, right? But I totally mm-hmm. agree with you that there is coming a time where 
and we've been through these times, I think, in the, in the agency space before, but there is coming a time where things are going to change in, in a 10 to 15 years. Uh, and there may be a, a place where you as an independent agency, you're not going to hire a CIO or a CTO, but you may want to look to a guy like you just mentioned, who's mm-hmm. you know contracting out some services like that. And there are there are places you can do that online. There are people who can help with those kind of those kind of decision-making processes and consult and actually implement too. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. That's really interesting. That's, it, that's is, interesting. it is interesting. And I, I think he doesn't realize it, but I think he's on the edge of some. I think he's on the verge yeah. of something good there. So, hey, once again, uh, David, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. If anybody wants to reach out to you and bug you um, and say, hey, pick your brain on something, where can they find you? Yeah, I think if you want to go to the one-stop shop, you can go to fudgeinsurance.com backslash Dave, and it will pull up all my contact info and profiles and whatnot. And you can go find me on I the like tweeter, that. tweeters and the LinkedIn's and the emails or whatever you need to do. See, I like that because what you're doing right now is you're driving SEO to your webpage. I like hey. that. Okay. Always thinking them tech guys. Always thinking. So from now on, I'm not even going to give my information out anymore. I'm just going to just say go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com. Anyways, once again, thank you very much, David. Hey, insurance uh, agents out there, our loyal listeners, um, you owners, insurance professionals, um, I do what I do and I do it for you. Uh, this right here is why I try to bring this to you to give you another little bit of an insight. Someone who's outside the industry, but been in long enough that he knows what he's talking about. He's also coming from a position of an agency that has been successful, understands it needs to change. It has the right master or our past couple uh, podcasts. We've been hearing this word a lot, mindset. We're talking about that when it comes to sales. We're talking about that when it comes to agency operations. We're coming to talking about that when it comes to transforming your agency with technology or bettering the customer experience. It's a mindset. I bring this podcast to you to make you think. I want you to think because I want you to test and I want you to challenge your mindset. So I hope that I'm doing that for you. So this has been Agency Intelligence Podcast where I gave you a real agent, David Davis, inside a real agency, Fudge Insurance, giving you the real agency intelligence because he's a Google ecosystem lover and not the artificial (laughs) that they make you believe out there that Apple is the best. This has been Jason Cass. He's David Davis, and we are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.